This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to McDelivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it, oh, deflection, and a goal! Goes to Mitchell, it's another goal! Incredible hobble! Welcome to another episode of the Low Strangers podcast. After an evening in equal part exhilarating and terrifying, the 10 men of Swindon Town emerge with three valuable points as the playoff race begins to heat up. Joining me to discuss it all is Terry. Hello, Terry. Hello, Connor. Sounds so enthusiastic after a great game. <laughs> um, I'm hoping our next contributor, um, who by now needs no introduction, is going to be a little bit more uh, perked up this evening. Uh, Tyler. Hello, Tyler. You're right, Connor. Oh, my God, guys, you need to give me something. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, I told you before recording this podcast, this needs to be a good one. This is my final one before Rich comes back, and I need at least one pod uh, that people say is critically acclaimed. So it's going to be a good one. My um, <laughs> my my slight res- reservation and hesitation is purely out of sheer envy because while everybody was living very much their best lives last night, I was huddled in the corner of a particularly cheap hotel room in Manchester. Um, being able to enjoy very little of it other than my on my iPad screen. So, yes, I am here to dial down the vibes and crank up the analysis, which is very much not normally what I do, given our Hartlepool adventures. Tyler, uh, I mean, I'm, what are you going to be doing on this podcast today? Come on, I'm, I need to know. I'm just quite honestly scared to talk too loud that, that my voice stops working because we're, <laughs> we're in full recovery mode. It, it was... 
special night and I'm just here to to give praise to anyone and everyone that I, I can I can give praise to after last night. That sounds like a good plan and also a good segue into how I wanted to open the episode, um, which is just to do with the fans' response to um, Harry McCurdy, Ben Garner, Clem Fooney's pleas um, on Monday and Tuesday, um, and also after the game on Saturday, uh, for a little bit more atmosphere at the county ground. Um, we had a huge attendance, uh, not even just for a Tuesday game, 11,150 with only around 600 travelling fans. Um, I mean... That's incredible, even on a Saturday, but on a, on a Tuesday night when people have other commitments and uh, all of that lot, amazing. And, um, you know, it, it was a nervy night, Tyler, but there were points throughout where it was just really, really loud and a really enjoyable atmosphere to be in. Yeah, I, I mean, the fans last night were just exceptional. Like, it, it was loud when we had to be loud. Obviously, it, there, there were points where it was quiet, but everyone was going to be a bit nervous when, when you're down to 10 and, and things are, are a bit shaky. But but when, when we needed to be loud and needed to be heard, especially in, in the final final 15 or so, it, it, at times it just felt like it, the fans keeping the ball out of the net without how loud they were being. And just, it was just the little things like a ball's gone out for a throw-in. Yell. It, it was <laughs> quite quite simple. So, no, I thought, I thought the fans... Did, did us proud and especially with how they've reacted to obviously McCurdy and Garner sort of asking for a bit more there, there was a bit of a debate on, on Twitter about oh but but the, the players need to give us more the players came out look, looking like they'd run through eight brick walls if it meant getting three points and they near enough did so yeah I think think the way the fans reacted and the players reacted to the fans was, was just bang on and set us up for a, a magical night under the lights I think I think also just Tyler really interesting there just picking up on your sort of um your comments around the around the conversation on social in light of what McCurdy and Garner have come out and said over the last couple of days. I think we've all, always got to sort of dial dial into the fact that ninety eight percent of people who are in that ground last night aren't on social media and don't care about about the 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 noisy minority of joy thieves that exist to to crave attention on social media platforms like. That's just not a thing for ninety eight percent of people who go to games and have a nice time and enjoy themselves. And I think if that was ever that that was never more true than last night, right? So if you actually look at look at that sort of discussion in inverted commas around whether McCurdy was right to say that and whether, well, actually, until the players entertain me, I'm not going to make any noise. How dare I get told to sing? That's literally like a handful of, as I said, joy thieves, and and they will always find a way, right? These are the same people who. Aren't going to go again until Ricky Hunt leaves. So there is there is a special a special place for these people, and ultimately it's in a it's in a it's in a dark room on social media where they can all moan at each other. No, uh, like yeah, I mean it's, it's like what Connor said. There were what eleven thousand in the ground last night, and there's definitely not eleven thousand that are constantly active on Twitter. So it, it's not representative of all. And I, I'm just a bit bit blown away because I think. Other than what Sheffield United in the playoffs, or it's the loudest I've seen it since going. So, well, excluding Man City, that is. Yeah, I think I think we have to take that one out of the out of it for just like how different that occasion was. I mean, Terry, in terms of chasing uh, down some ground um, towards the end of the season, it felt like this must have been one of our biggest games in years. Um, I, I honestly can't think of. It almost like it almost like was a cup game in the sense that like if we didn't win, then that was kind of it. And uh, I think that 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 helped the, the fans 
uh, as much as the the pleas and the fact that the players really did ass- um, assert themselves from early on. Yeah, I think I think the way that it's almost like the way the players approached it as well, right? And certainly the way the fans approached it is that we've we've almost got like a six game playoff campaign rather than a three game playoff campaign. It, it, it watching from afar, it very much looked and felt like a playoff semi final first leg, really, rather than a rather than a regulation sort of league fixture. And I think I think the one thing with with this group of players we have seen is that they tend to react pretty well in pressurised moments. They tend to react pretty well in front of big crowds, and and they did exactly that last night. I think they they crave they crave that. Um, that pressure and intensity more than I've seen Swindon, Swindon teams do so in the past. And where they struggle is actually in front of seven and a half thousand at home to Carlisle on a, on a, on a cold Saturday afternoon in November, because it doesn't feel like there's enough on it. And obviously that's not how league football works, right? And we can all, we can all sit here and moan about two points dropped against nine men Colchester. And that's the reason we'll miss the playoffs. It's not, that's not how football works. It doesn't come down to any one game. But right now we're, I would arguably put Hartlepool in there as well. We're two games into a seven-game playoff campaign, and we've got to, we've got to go seven from seven to go up. As simple as that. So if we come into the the game itself rather than just all of the stuff around it, uh, it was an unchanged team from Saturday. Um, Tyler, what were you thinking when you saw the lineup it, ahead of the game? It was exactly what what I'd have gone with. I think I think there was no need to change it. The only one I was probably doubting was maybe Johnny Williams if he can get through back to back sort of starts. And I, I I was thinking maybe going Gladwin, but you know, other than that, I I was very happy with it. Obviously, Egbo down the right has been brilliant since coming in. Um, Wardy in the sticks, he did nothing wrong at Hartlepool, so didn't deserve to be dropped and. Frenchie and Dion. Uh, recently, I'm I'm not quite sure what's gotten into the two of them because they've been absolutely brilliant. Uh, midfield, when you've got Louis Reed, Payne, Johnny Williams, and and Ben Gladwin sitting on the bench in League Two, you, no matter who gets picked, you're sort of happy, surely. And then the, the front line picks itself at this point, surely. Yeah, I mean it's hard to argue with any of that, um, Terry. I think probably the one thing I was just wondering about before the game, like what is the lineup going to be? Obviously, like, there are a couple of injury question marks, uh, shall we say, um, that we weren't sure after Egbo went off um, with a tight leg um, against Hartlepool, and and obviously with uh, Jojo Wallacott, um, with him returning to training, I just wasn't sure what to expect whether Ward would keep his place or not. Um, obviously, now we can see in light of the result what seems to have been the correct decision but um was that something you were thinking about before the game as well yeah and probably still thinking about it now with with regards to saturday as well i think the one thing the one thing that i will sort of always come back to is i think the goalkeeper is a unique position um i i, I hate the phrase don't change a winning team you pick the best team to win the game in that moment and you pick your best goalkeeper um and if Jojo Wallacott is fit, he should be playing. So yes, he's he's been a bit, you know, he's made a couple of mistakes the last couple of weeks, but he is so inte- integral to how we play. Last night, I I understand, you know, that he maybe he'd only been back training for for a day or two, but I'd be very surprised Saturday if he doesn't come back into the team. Mm, okay, uh, I I disagree with that completely. That's what we're I, here for, Tyler. I, I think let's get into it. When you're a keeper. And and this might just be because obviously I speak to Mark a lot, who, who was a keeper. 
but you sort of once you've got the shirt you, and if you're playing well like Wardy has in the past too does he deserve does he deserve to lose it no i get i get jojo's international he's he's been number 1 all season and he and he don't he's he's a great keeper as well but if Wardy's done nothing wrong to be dropped should he be dropped no what's that do for his confidence and and the thought that moving forward he's the one here next year and jojo's future is a bit up in the air so for, for me i think i think you just stick with stick with lewis until he has an absolute clangor or or something that necessarily late, right? goes wrong. It's clangor, it's too late. If, if he has a clangor, yeah, it probably is too late. But at the same time, he hasn't had one yet and doesn't deserve to be dropped. Whereas for me, Newport and Orient, Jojo was getting a bit shaky. So the injuries probably come at a, a good time for him considering he's got out of the firing line and, and Wardy's come in and done well. Well, it's definitely going to be a conversation we... Uh have for a lot over the over the rest of the season because I think even if even if the change that uh, happens and Walcott does come back in there's always going to be this kind of discussion uh, so we can only see what happens um, starting with with Saturday against Barrow um, if we get on to the the game itself uh, I mean Terry the early intent that Swindon showed like right out the traps uh, immediately right on the attack um, getting a few set pieces in really early doors um, it was really exciting and I think just what they needed to do, um, given that they'd asked the fans to um, kind of show up as well. Just went completely nuclear, didn't they? <laughs> like first five minutes, just went nuts. And I think credit to Bengana, right? I think um, at, at this point in the season, there's enough data to, to understand what we do as a team and to understand that that's not normally how we play. So that was a very deliberate change. It's not like... It's not like we've always been trying to do that and couldn't. It's we genuinely have never tried to do that before, rightly or wrongly. So credit to Bengana and credit to the rest of the rest of the rest of the setup to identify that and credit to the players for carrying it out. It was clearly a very very deliberate thing. You can't come out in the press and ask for 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 increased support and to ratchet up the noise if you then come out and play your very conservative. I'm going to ease through the gears football. It just couldn't happen. So. Very deliberate, very impressive. And also equally, if I can say so, absolutely terrifying. <laughs> as much as we were very, very much on the front foot for the five or ten, the opening five or ten minutes. And this is this is where Bengana's job is so hard, right? We we could we literally completely played into Forest Green Rovers' hands as well. Because they are more than adept at picking teams off when teams fly at them and are not used to having teams fly at them, particularly in the last sort of three months when they've when they've been close to winning the league. So it was a it was a risky it's risky business. Um and frankly, as much as we did play very well in the opening ten or fifteen, Forest Green probably had the clear of the chances in that opening period. And that was purely as a direct result of us flying at them and 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 being very easy to get at as well. So it got the whole crowd buying into the evening um, and it was fantastic to see and exciting to watch, but terrifying in equal measure. Uh, Tyler, what were your thoughts on the first 10, 15 minutes? I mean, with, I guess, all of the high pressing, all of the effort and the endeavour and the players getting the, the crowd up, what do you think? I mean, it, getting the crowd up sort of started before the the whistle was blown and, and the game had started with, obviously, you had McCurdy and... Paney and Reedy, they, they were all sort of the main conductors, really waving their arms, trying to get, get everyone up and going and get get the fans right behind them off the get-go. And, I mean, 
when that happened, as soon as that, that first ball was kicked, everyone was running just non-stop. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if, if most of them are still running at the moment without how much they ran. <laughs> but they all just kept running. I mean, it did leave us a bit exposed at the back, like, like Terry was saying, it played into Forest Green's hands. But at the same time, when you are like playing such gung-ho football, I guess you could say it was, it, it's it's always going to excite fans because it was really end-to-end. I think they hit the post just before we scored. So it, it was one of them where it was like, we could have been behind, but at the same time, we're getting forward and we're creating more chances. And surely that's the most shots we had in the first 15 minutes of any game this season was just how much we were willing to take the risks and, and try try any pass that, that was on and, and really just expose them as much as we could with, with, with our width through Barry and McCurdy, which caused them plenty of problems and, and sort of that's where both goals came from, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, I mean, I think the goal is probably the perfect thing to discuss at this point in time. Uh, I mean, Terry, the not not having to go through the gears quite as slowly as we've ha- we have done, I think, stretched the game so much that we scored the kind of goal that if you were to like show that to someone now um, and just remove it from all context and just say, here is a goal, can you tell me what minute of the game has happened in? You're not saying that it's 14, 15 minutes have been played um, while that, that kind of passenger play is going on. I mean, Forest Green are so high up the pitch um, and it, 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 it's just from one end to the other in the blink of an eye. Yeah, I mean, you're dead right. I mean, the game was so stretched and so open so early. It was it was absolutely bonkers to watch. Um, and I guess it's do or die season, right? I mean, it's that time of year, and it is what's going to happen. But it was it was enthralling. And I mean, look, that I just there's so many elements of that goal I absolutely love. But you can't talk about that goal without talking about the 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 the, the Indian summer, the Indian heat wave. That is Matteo Baudry. I mean, it just absolutely. And look, this is this is like I feel genuinely disappointed in myself that I'm making such a huge yeah. U-turn. Um, and I don't. I'm going to caveat by saying it's not a U-turn. It's just recognizing in the moment that he is in a great spell of form, like any other player can get into, and that doesn't forgive some of some of my issues with him in the past. But but in the last three or four games, he's just been absolutely bang on. And yesterday was... I, I don't remember a better game in a Swindon shirt by him. And that's saying a lot, considering he was very much sort of petering out at the end of a good three or four-year spell with us. Um, just absolutely absurdly confident defensively. But having the ability and the confidence to... And, and, and to be empowered to do what he did on the ball, particularly at the start of that first goal, was just absolutely outstanding. Cuts inside, beats the press, finds Jack Payne with a with a with a great pass, and and the rest of it you can almost take for granted, which is which is just a really privileged position to be in. Jack, I mean, just go back and watch that Jack Payne pass again. He literally points to where he's going to pass it, and puts it exactly where he points, and the, the defenders still can't do anything about it. It's that good. And then you know the the the. I'm going to give Harry McCurdy lots of credit here by saying the cross when I actually mean the scummy mishit shot. Um, <laughs> but Louis, I love every every part of that goal. Louis Barry doing exactly what he should be doing, attacking the back stick in that moment. But the Bodry and Payne just just went from went from 
20 yards outside our own goal to putting it on a plate for our two for our two most exciting forwards in three seconds and two unbelievable bits of individual skill. I mean, there are a number of threads in there, Terry. So I think if we talk about individual performances a little bit later, because I don't want to digress for five minutes about Matthew Baudry, because I have a lot to say about Matthew Baudry, and we definitely need to get it all out. Um, and I also want to just just also mention about the the Harry McCurdy uh, cross or shot. I think he, in his defence, I think it's always a cross, and I think he's he's selling the keeper with his with his uh, body shape that it might be a shot to create the space. But all of that aside, I mean Tyler, that pass by Jack Payne, like if you were on like Score Hero or something, you played that pass, you would be really happy with yourself. Let alone in person League Two football, the biggest game of the season. I mean, it's just. Beautiful. It is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, that that's why championship clubs were looking at him, and I, I hope they've all looked away now, because that, <laughs> that's just it. It's perfect the way he's weighted it to just slow down perfectly for McCurdy as well, and, and like Terry said, just pointing there perfectly. It's exactly where he's pointing, and you, you've got to think as much as the first touch that he takes just before the pass look, looks a bit. A bit dodgy with how it bounces up. It's it's sort of perfect at the same time because it's it's just bounced out in front of him. It's taken the um, oncoming defender out of the way, and then and then once again, it is just that pass in between fullback and centre half that that all number tens go on about go on about playing. It's it's the indefensible one. As soon as you're in there, then you've usually got a free shot across the goal or. or well, you've got a cutback like like we had, so it, it's it was just a perfect goal, and the second one was was just as good, really. When we get onto that, the finish as well, Terry. I mean, he's coming onto that at some speed, um, and he he hits it pretty hard as well. I I was genuinely concerned for a moment that he might take uh, the net off the, the goal frame. I was very worried either for the for for the net or for the Rolex clock, and uh, it was very much one or the other, wasn't it? But look, we're going to get into individual performances. The fact that Louis Barry is not even in a top five discussion of players on the pitch is an absolute just indicative of, of of what the boys did last night because a goal and an assist took his goal brilliantly. He's still, you know he's he's scoring at one in two now since his arrival. So important that he's back fit. And I don't know, man. This this front three just excites me so much going into going into the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh playoff matches that we have to play over the next over the next few weeks because the two of them are absolutely flying at the moment, aren't they? And I, you know, his his individual talent and his and his ceiling is so high. But yeah, great great finish. Lots that could go wrong with that. That is not a tap in. That is not an open goal. That is not a gimme. Um, plenty that can, can go wrong with it. So. Especially with the pace on the ball from McCurdy, so yeah, brilliant finish. And the roof just came off, didn't it? It just it sounded absolutely unbelievable. I was terrified from town end that it had gone wide, so I I, I didn't <laughs> celebrate to start with because I I genuinely thought he'd missed. But as soon as you see everyone else jumping up and down, as much as I'm on one leg at the moment, I, I was also jumping up and down. So it. But the finish is is very good because, like Terry said, it's absolutely whacked across at him. It's so quick, so he could easily just just completely miss hit it or, or scuff it. But the connection he's made on that that is is of one who get him in a six yard box, and, and he's he's going to score more often than not. And the fact he has what is it one in two 
since since coming in really it's it's perfect so for someone who's who's a year older than a year older than me is is terrifying yeah he, he really is going to be some player i think um very lucky to have him down here um i almost don't want to stop talking about that goal because i genuinely think i saw the goal last night that i'm going to put on my uh report for goal of the season uh, because there's just nothing I would change about it. It's all beautiful. But anyway, we, we have to move on because there's a lot of other stuff to talk about. Uh, and Terry, I think after the goal, the, the game kind of reset. We did kind of look for a second. Um, Forest Green um, took advantage a little bit of the fact that the game was still wide open by having a good few moments of their own. Um, it's pretty even, but there, there was a pretty concerted uh, spell of pressure that Forest Green did have after the goal. Yeah, they did. But what I will say is, you know, have they really, have they really put Wardy under pressure? I think there's there's the one where Armin Fielder backs off and just let the let their attacker take a shot because he's, they clearly know that he's not capable. You back you back you keep it from there, and and it was fine. There's the one that gets a little nick off Bodri and, and Wardy can't quite deal with it, but but Dion's there to sort of tidy up. I don't really recall sort of anything that happened that made me think, how have they not scored? Or that's a sitter or what a save. Do you know what I mean? Like there's nothing, there's no huge chance in that, in those moments. So what we did do post the first goal was almost go, okay, do you know what? For five minutes, we're just going to reset here. We went long for the first time. We started going long, you know, Wardy started clearing his lines a bit earlier. And it was almost like we 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 almost had to just let our heart rates come back to normal and let our let our brains let our bodies catch up with our brains almost and just just hit the reset button and, and and we did that and then we started building again to another crescendo didn't we but yeah Forest Green had a spell but they didn't really threaten us I don't think in those in those moments. What's your view on that, Tyler? No, I'd I'd have to agree with Terry. Um... I think the the way that that we defended was was very impressive. Not not just through that spell, but but through the whole night, of course. But the way that we defended through that spell, they didn't have any clear cut chances at all. I mean, the the one shot that we've sort of let them have that, that I think was the one that took the, the little touch off Baudry was was one of their centre backs just letting uh, we're letting him wander forward. So why why not let him have a pop? Because if if a centre back scores from there, it's going to have to be something outrageous to to beat Wardy. So, the chances of him pulling it off as as a centre half is is very low. So, yeah, I thought I thought we defended very very well, and it it was sort of just five five or so minutes of just bring it back down, calm it down, and then and then we can sort of kick on with with a new foundation of of belief and, and confidence rather than rushing ahead and going for the second. A bit hot-headed and potentially leaving it a bit a bit too exposed at the back, in, in which could have ended in in a much different result than what what we got. Yeah, and ultimately the second goal kind of comes from the fact that we do allow ourselves to go a little, a little bit longer. Um, sort of a, a hook ball up to Barry does well to stay on side um, initially, um, takes the ball down again with a good bit of control that we we just expect from him now and. Uh, Via a dummy run, it makes its way to Payne, who slots it in. I mean, this again is is a really beautifully worked goal, Terry. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's brilliant. I think a there's great vision. I don't know who the plays the diag to to um, to Barry, but there's great vision to. Do, do you want to know who played it? I guarantee it's Louis Reed. No, it's, oh. it's Matt Baudry. Oh, of course it is. 
Audrey with a pre-assist. <laughs> time and time again. Um, I think it's great vision, right, to, to 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 understand that in that moment of transition, when the when the Forest Green Rovers players are coming out and Louis Barry's going back in, there was a huge space there, and we've we've exploited it. It's miles on side, so should there be any um, anyone of a fluorescent yellow and black persuasion, I guess you would call them, um, listening, then it's definitely on side. Go back and watch it again. He's miles on. Um, and then it's all about quality in that moment, right? He's, he's, he stands the, the, the defender up, spots Payne, little over from McCurdy. And I guess the one thing I'd love to know about Jack Payne, I think we mentioned this on the first goal as well, right, is, is his first touch deliberately bad? To, 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 to draw, you know, he always seems to be slightly on the edge of not having control of the ball, but always has control of the ball, that sort of thing. But by but by taking a slightly heavy touch, he almost creates the shooting opportunity when if he just killed the ball dead, he would probably look to move the ball on sideways again. So even whether it's whether it's adapting in that in that split second and, and being taking that heavy touch and just and then just getting a shot off or whether it's intent, who cares? It's a fantastic finish. Keeper's got no chance. And and on the night there couldn't have been there couldn't have been a player who deserved to go more than he did. No, I I'd I'd have to agree. Like the the finish, especially from from my view in town end, was as as bottom corner as as you're really gonna get. In the way, I think I think watching it back, it surely has to be a part of. He's intentionally making these touches look a little bit dodgy, just to invite the defender in and then absolutely skin him. It's exactly that, right? So so by looking as if you're giving the you attract the press, right? You attract the pressure, and you're incomplete. So as soon as the other player's committed, you then have an opportunity. His body shapes wrong. You get the shot off, or you get past him. Right? It must. Be, it must be intent. No, it's, well, I think it was our second at Hartlepool. He, he sort of looks like he's lost control of it, and then just puts it through the defender's legs and, and puts it on a plate on a plate for Harry. So, it's surely at this point, it's got to be a part of this. Is just what Payne does. He, he makes it look like oh, I've lost the ball, but he really, really hasn't. And, and I mean. He's he's just a, a, a different gravy player, and, and and the one thing I wanted to touch on really was was just how good both of our goals were. They're they're two goals of, of real quality throughout, and and it's it's three players play, playing a key part in in both of them really. With obviously, well, you could probably include McCurdy with a little step over. So it's just, it's just the same four linking up for, for for both of them with obviously Frenchy, Barry, Payne, and and Harry. That is some attacking quartet, and I did not ever think that I would be saying that <laughs> about those four particular players at the start of the season. Um, but there we go. I mean, it was almost the perfect time to score as well. I mean, there's never a bad time, obviously, but five minutes until the break, I know there's another, what, three or four minutes of injury time. I mean, it kind of didn't give them a lot of time to change their game plan, I don't think. And uh, it's one of those ones where you just think, similar to what we've had in a couple of games recently, it just takes a, a good start to the second half to almost see this game out. And uh, unfortunately, Terry, it's not quite what happened. I mean, we nearly had the perfect start to the second half uh, with uh, a third very close, but uh, I think after Baudry flicked it onto Barry, he was offside and also put it wide. Um, but the game obviously changed very, very soon into the the um, second half. And we're going to have to discuss it because it, it became the main talking point of the night, I think beyond everything else. Um, the red card incident, please tell me what happened. So I think, 
a couple of things here. I think Elisandolo's first yellow card is really, really harsh. Like bearing in mind he hadn't made a foul in the, he hadn't made a tackle in the game. It's an aerial challenge. It's a bit late. He knows what he's doing. He's clattered him, but it's not a yellow card. I think that said, being on a yellow card, the second one, he walks himself into a situation where he gives the, the opposition player the opportunity to get him booked. Now, I don't think it's a yellow card tackle, but he gives the other player an opportunity to get him booked. And and the Forest Green player took that opportunity. So I think if you look at Edis Andlo, and the two challenges, I think that they're both soft, but don't give the referee an opportunity to give that second yellow and 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 take us down to 10 men. Like two things on the red card. A, if the ref is going to book him, why is he not just booked him straight away? Why is it, why, why is it taking him so so long? And why is it, why has it got to be pointed out by 17 Forest Green Rovers players that he's got to go and book him? But the, the thing that annoys me most about this whole thing is this weird thing that happens between their centre-half and Johnny Williams. And I've watched this back couple of times because I want to make sure I'm getting this right. There is absolutely no way you can book one of them and not the other. You just can't. And actually, to begin with, it's the Forest Green player who is the instigator. He's the one winding Williams up. He's the one who pushes first. And to book one and not the other is absolutely absurd. And the centre-half in question, who's got the long name, I can't remember, had already been booked. my life. There you go. It already been booked. So... I don't have an issue with Edison Lowe sending off. It was a bit silly. It was a bit soft, but hey, these things happen. I don't have an issue with Williams' yellow card because it was a bit of a silly thing to do. And actually, I think he knows what he's doing by trying to create a diversion. But to not book the Forest Green player in for, for exactly, this, exactly the same offence is the thing that really, really, really frustrated me about that whole incident. Yeah, it was it was kind of hard to tell what was going on because I the, the weird thing, about, I don't know what's going through this Forest Green centre-half's head, but... He just starts laughing at um, uh, at Johnny Williams. I think, I think he f- pretended to throw the ball and then didn't do it. Completely, what a funny guy! What, like, com- what a funny guy! Um, just, but- oh, he's an absolute twat from from, from that. <laughs> just everything about that. He like this fake massive laugh, pretending to throw the ball. You know, he's obviously saying something to Williams that Williams don't like. And look, these things happen. But if you book one, you got to book the other. I don't understand how you don't book both players there. What was your view on on the incident, Tyler? I mean, there there has been quite a lot of discussion about the Andalo foul. I think a lot of people have said it might have even been a totting up process because he had a couple earlier um, before then that that probably weren't yellows, but maybe totted him up to a yellow card on that one. I, I mean, the the first one, uh, it's definitely not a yellow. I'm I'm not not sure how you can sort of give a yellow for something like that. It, it's a talking to and and nothing more. The second one, having watched it back. It's it's clumsy, but I'd I'd have to cyber Terry. Is it is it really a yellow? Probably not. It, the fact that it's taken Forest Green's number twenty one and then about eight others sprinting over to tell the referee, oh, oh you've you've got you've got a booking for that. that. That that that's that's a bit a bit bit off for me. But um, and then the whole Johnny and and Godwin my life incident is, is so peculiar. I'm I'm so confused on how you can book Johnny for it, but then not book the other who who was the one who started the whole thing. It, that that makes zero sense to me at all. So yeah, I, um, I wasn't really impressed with the referee in full stop yesterday. I thought the linesman on the 
Don Rogers' side was was brilliant, um, especially for both goals. I th- think he got the calls right, especially with one sets off first team analyst who, who was tweeting today like the Y Scout views, where you could see that Barry's onside and McCurdy's onside, which which is which is quite nice to see because I don't think I've ever seen him tweet before, but. Um, no, I, I thought I thought the refereeing was was quite poor on on the Arkle side of, of for the linesman and, and then the referee. I thought I thought they sort of just bought into what what Forest Green were suggesting with, with some of their, their their players just getting right up into the referees here. I'm saying that like like we haven't done the same in games this year. Of course we have. We've got Harry McCurdy. Like that, that's sort of that's sort of what he does at times. But you know, I mean. On the whole, it, it's probably a little bit clumsy for Ellis going into the into the challenge, knowing he's on a yellow. But at the same time, is is it a yellow for either? If you look at them, probably not. So I think it was a bit harsh in in total. But the the, the way the game panned out from there was was impressive. Yeah, and probably like the exact point at which that happened, Terry. May, even if that might, might maybe had been ten minutes later on, I probably wouldn't have felt quite so anxious about it all as I did. I mean, it's, it's a hypothetical, we'll never know, but 35 minutes plus injury time with 10 men against top of the league, even though they've not been in great form recently. It's not a nice prospect. No, I, I, I think genuinely at that point, I was like, well, God, if we get out of here with draw, then then I think we've done well here because they're very adept at doing what they're doing. And also the t- our team set up, we've got a couple of passengers in there in terms of defensive defensive unit that aren't aren't the sort of best players that you would want in that situation we don't have a holding midfield on the bench was another concern so yeah I think I, I and also you know that 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 feeling just only heightened when we conceded pretty early didn't we um what was it 68 or something like that yeah so I mean that gives you the best part of half an hour to go and nick to go and nick another goal. I think if you hang on to sort of 78 80 82 for the first one you've got a chance of getting out of there but god I mean to go to when when it went 2-1 I was texting my mate I was just like look there's no way we win this game. There's no way we win this game. Um so absolutely absolutely so proud of the boys that we did get out of there and 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 really when you boil it down we got out of there with very few scrapes really. The goal aside and look, the goal, two or three of our boys don't cover themselves in glory. But that's going to happen. That's going to happen when you're defending constantly. You know, you, it's, you are. there are going to be times when you make mistakes. And other players made, made mistakes that weren't that weren't punished um, for whatever reason. So I don't want to hammer any anyone on the goal too much. It's going to happen. But it's a very long time to get out, to, get, to, to, keep, that, to keep that down to one goal conceded against a very, very good team. Yeah, and I mean, Tyler, like last Monday, we saw a masterclass in how to defend with 10 men with a lot of the game left. Do you reckon Garner was taking a few notes from Richie Wellens after the game on Mon- last Monday and applied that that here? Because we, we definitely uh, used the dark arts in the same kind of way as Leighton Orient did last week. I mean, sh- surely we had to. I mean, the, the way that the players were time-wasting, and I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into more, more specifics when we actually go into into the players more, more specifically, but... I thought the way that they time wasted was perfect. Um, I thought the the subs that we, that we used were perfect in in the way we sort of closed the game out with Gladwin, Odomayo, and uh, O'Brien coming on. I thought they were the right subs. 
and there was there was the one little thing that sort of went a bit unnoticed, and and I've only really seen someone else mention on Twitter that I I, I thought I was seeing it, but wasn't hundred percent sure. Is that we had Manny Agbo sort of doing his own sort of mini lap of honor around part of the pitch, telling the ball, ball boys to just slow it down and and make sure they aren't rushing the ball back to try and help us kill the clock, which. It, it, whether that's Egbo doing it himself or, or if he's been told to go and do that by, by Garner, it is it is what we need. And I thought everything about the way we saw the game out, defending really tight, really compact, it was perfect. The only cr- like criticism I might have is that sometimes when Cadden or, or Wilson have really whipped one into the back post is instead of trying to flick it on over their head to go out for a throw-in, is, is we've sort of just headed it back toward the the middle and, and the edge of the box, which could have put us in a bit of trouble at times. Yeah, there was a, there was a couple of big blocks there. I think I remember one yeah. hit, um, O'Brien straight between the eyes that, that came exactly from that situation, Ty, that you mentioned there in terms of us just putting the ball back out, regurgitating the ball back into the danger zone. Obviously, we saw that most mostly in the goal. That's where the goal came from as well. I think what's really interesting is that um, I think general, general consensus now in, in modern football when you defend with 10 men, you go four four one and you and you go super narrow and you concede the width. And I think that was a really risky game for us to play for two reasons. A, they have the best set of wide players in the division in uh Cadden and the other and, and the kitty on the other side whose name escapes me. Wilson, I think. Yeah, that's it, Kane Wilson, yeah. And 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 B we we aren't very good at defending crosses, so I think it's it, it, it. But it was still the right thing to do because what you do then do is reduce the opportunity of them playing through, and the only way that Forest Green were going to score was going to be a low cross in in between the back four and the goalkeeper, and someone someone get his wing on the end of it. And serendipitously, I don't, and we don't know why, they also took Jamil Matt off at half time, and that. Jamil Matt being the focal point of that attack when we concede all the wide areas go deep and say chuck the ball in as many times as you want we'll defend it is a completely different proposition than doing that when you've got Josh March in there. Yeah, I mean Matt's what six foot four, six foot six foot four, six foot three. Absolutely so fantastic. He's huge. He's very good in the air. So the fact that we didn't have to contend with that was perfect. And sort of going back to the subs, I thought. Going for four centre halves was was quite brave, but it's definitely the right call, especially when when we were going narrow. Shuffling Conroy out to right back was was not a sub that that people sort of thought was the right thing to do. But I'd probably look at it and say that, that he got that one absolutely bang on. Because yeah, sure. as much as I'm I'm a big Manny Agbo fan, he's not going to be the strongest in the air. Whereas Dion, who, who who admittedly isn't also the strongest in the air, he'd done well in the first half dealing with Matt. Same with same with Frenchie. So I thought I thought the way that we managed to really tighten up, get the four centre halves on, especially bringing on O'Brien, who's who's also an absolute man mountain, was perfect. And sort of just mentioning Conroy and Baudry was for that is, I think it was in in about the ninety third minute. They've had they've had a shot. I think it's Cadden who's looked like he's absolutely about to rip one in that far side, and both of them have like pegged it to just slide in and, and get both of them have clattered each other getting the block in, which sort of shows the lengths we were willing to go to 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 get the three points on on what was a huge game. 
Yeah, and there was another element to which the 12th man played their part, uh, not just being loud, which, you know, at, at certain points in the last 15, 20 minutes, the kind of ground was as loud as it was all evening, um, which must have given the players a lift. But just like the, the constant not giving the ball back, the pettiness there, um, taunting their players, um, I, I just think like you can actually palpably say that the fans played their huge part in three points, Derek. Yeah, definitely. And look, um, sometimes nicking a match ball and hiding it and not giving it back is a good idea. Uh, Have you not heard of injury time? (laughs) (laughs) And that is a hill I'm willing to die on and and have died on in the past. So um, it's it's all part of the drama. It's all part of the pantomime, isn't it? And and we've been on the receiving end of some fantastic shithouse performance this this season. And it was just brilliant to be the one doing it for once. You know, it has doesn't happen to us a lot, and we did it perfectly. I think um, post, you know, I th- you know every the, Andrew Hawes on on commentary was sort of be- not bemoaning, but he was bemoaning. He was, be- you know, fantastic game in the first half, but post sending off, it's just it's just deteriorated into into a series of into a series of set pieces, people falling over, and, and everyone arguing with the ref. I was like, yeah, that that is completely deliberate. It was completely deliberate. We slow the ball, slow the game down. Fall over every time you get touched. Argue with the ref so everything's slow. Um, stop them taking quick free kicks, which is a, a, a thing that is apparently now not punishable by a yellow card, even though it always used to be. <laughs> All of these, I mean, there, there was a moment where I think it was Iandolo before his second yellow stood in front of a free kick. And I thought if, if, if the Forest Green player's got half a brain, he's just going to absolutely belt it at him and get him booked. But he, and, and he did, and the referee just didn't do anything. <laughs> so that seems to not be a thing anymore. But yeah, we, we we've been on we've been on the wrong side of it so many times, and 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 it was lovely to to be part of it and 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 see it happening in the right way, right? I think people bemoan this sort of stuff, but frankly, it's part of football at every level now, and you've got to find a way to win. So until the referees get stronger and better on it, and and the football league find a way to to improve it, there's no point in bemoaning it. You've just got to get on board and and win games however you can win games. Yeah, I mean, in the final 10, 15 minutes, Tyler, there are a number of moments of catharsis that I really enjoyed. I'd be interested to hear what yours are. Um, but like for me, a couple of things that really stand out. I think there was there was one point where one of their players was kind of down in the area. Louis Reed picked up the ball and just absolutely smacked it at him to get us a goal kick. Absolutely sensational, uh, by the way. Which was brilliant. Um, and the other part, which was genuinely celebrated like a goal, um, was um, uh, Jack Payne. Um, tackling one of their players, getting out for a throw-in, getting the crowd up with a big, like, giving it large, um, and then <laughs> sort of punting the ball <laughs> straight into the crowd as well. And there might have been a, a similar kind of reaction to a tackle that Odom Ayo made that gave away a corner, but there's just, just so many moments in that final 10 minutes where like, this is genuinely back-to-the-wall heroic stuff. Yeah, I mean, it It felt like at times it, it, it was the crowd keeping the ball out rather than the players. And like, When you've got Paney, who's the amount I want to know how much he ran yesterday because he, he was up and down like like it was nobody's business and and it, it sort of epitomised it all when when he's he's put that tackle in everyone's just absolutely cheering him on and then and then he decides I've not been booked yet so kill a bit more time and it I uh, that's the oddest he's hit a ball all season he's leathered that into the roof <laughs> of the Don Rogers. And the highlight of it all was speaking to some of my mates who, who sit in the Don Rogers. They were telling me like everyone was shouting at everyone who had the ball, keep it. And then as soon as the ball got on the pitch, 
chuck it back on. And you, and you could tell that the, the fans, as much as the players getting in the referee's ear a bit and, and really doing the dark arts, it was frustrating the Forest Green players. At, at one point you had, I think it was their goalkeeper who sort of tried climbing into the crowd to get the ball. You can tell they're getting frustrated with it, keep getting on to the referee about how long it's all taken. And it, was, it wasn't the nicest watch when that starts happening, but like, like Terry says, you've just got to get on board with it and go with it because it works. And it really did work last night with, with how we were keeping the ball and then killing the clock for the players when when, when they can't kill the clock. So it really was a, a team effort from fans and players yesterday, which which was lovely. Absolutely lovely. Yeah. How about the relief at the final whistle? I mean, a number of lovely scenes. Um, I think at, at one point you had uh, Conroy holding up the, the shirt for the young lad, Link, and he was obviously remembered. Um, during the game as well, uh, with a minute's applause, um, that was a really nice moment. Um, just, I think, just showing the togetherness of the club. Like just, that, that's what I was just thinking in that moment was, like, we, it just feels like we're all one <laughs> in this this kind of weird moment after the game where everyone's happy and also like thinking just about bigger things than than what we've actually watched on, on the pitch. No, I mean, like, like I say, those those full time. Scenes were were very very strong, and it was quite emotional seeing Dion and the way he was he was holding that shirt. I, I I will like to say that minutes applause was brilliant from everyone. Forest Green fans, Swindon fans, um, obviously Forest Green players, management staff, our players and management staff, and and fair play to the referee for sort of letting letting Wardy take a little bit longer so so that the players can join in with it because. Yeah. It, it was very, very nice to see. And obviously, Link's family were, were there. So it, it was nice that they got to see how, how sort of well he he was remembered. And since then, Ward's, Ward's touch on it all with, with the tweet that he put out today was, was quite quite nice to read, as, as, as much as it was quite sad to read. But on the, on the sort of more positive side of it, it, it all just sort of, came up quite rosy for us with with being able to celebrate both both link and, and, and the result in 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 that way and the fans and the players re- really did seem to feel like one and Ben Garner gets comes under a lot of stick for not not showing emotion when oh, full time yesterday the way he was walking around and, and sort of punching the air you could tell that he was he was showing as much as as much as he's shown all season yesterday, and, and there's one photo of him where where you can see he's absolutely yelling his yelling his heart out at, at Town End, I believe. So it, it was very good to see. And would, would I would I do it all over again the exact same way, knowing that we'd win two one? Yeah, I'd say so. Well, if I've got to go through about eight heart attacks just just stood watching to to get three points, it's potentially worth it in the end, especially if, if we can do it for the, the next, what is it, five games left now? Well, hopefully. Oh, well. <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. touch wood. Uh, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed we don't have to go through quite as many of the emotions as we, as we did um, on Tuesday night, on, on Saturday against Barrow, because I don't know if I can watch another 30, 35 minutes like that. I just don't think that'd be good for my health. But um, definitely, I mean, even if I didn't know we'd win 2-1, I just feel like going through the same emotions that I did on the evening was would, would be uh, quite spectacular, but I definitely would not <laughs> would not intentionally sign up for it. Um, 
if we come on to kind of stand-up performances, man of the matches, um, I think the uh, the consensus on Twitter, and I, I don't think there is many people um, sort of dissenting against this, um, is that Jack Payne was man of the match. And I personally find it hard to disagree. But I think what we need to do, Tyler, is run through pretty much everyone on the team. So I think there's something positive to say um, about everyone. So starting with Ward, um, I think there are a couple of question marks on, on him on the goal, just where he puts the puts the um, uh, the save. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I think not really put a, a glove or a foot wrong. Definitely. Um, you could say there's question marks, but at the same time, the way I want to say it's Ebu Adams who's had the shot, uh, the, the way that it comes through sort of that crowd of bodies, he's going to see it late. So so it's going to be hard for him to sort of judge where where he can push it safely. And then, yeah. oh, but the other side of it is he did very, very well under a lot of pressure coming out and punching and claiming high balls. Um, and, and one thing that, that I, I couldn't obviously tell in, in, the, in that second half, but in the first half, you could really hear how much he was like shouting and commanding his box and making sure that he knew where his defenders was, which at times I, I've, I've struggled to hear from Jojo. It might just be he's a bit of a quieter figure, but I thought the the way that Wardy was was really commanding his area, making sure he he was in control was was perfect and and a really really good game from him. Yeah, and some big saves towards the end as well, which I think is the other side of the coin uh, with the goal. If you are going to be slightly critical, you have to be very praising of him for some of the the big saves that he made at the end. Speaking of big saves, maybe if we move on to Dale Conroy, um, one really good block towards the end uh, and just kind of, I think, set the tone. Yeah, he, he's he's definitely improved since since the earlier stage of the season. And it's, it's, it's good to see that he's sort of coming into form at a crucial time in the season as well. I mean, his performance yesterday was perfect, real body on the line stuff and and when he got shuffled out to right back seemed to do it with with no complaints and when I sort of caught him after the game as as I was leaving myself he he referred to himself as Cafu which it it was good to see that he was able to sort of have a bit of a laugh and a joke about it after being forced (laughs) out of position so and it it, it was just a very strong performance from him making sure to, to try and be the first man to everything and getting in the crucial blocks when, when we needed the crucial blocks. Yeah, and uh, with the wing-backs as well, I think it was a bit of a different game for Edbo and Iandolo to what they had at the weekend, uh, where they were both really good attacking outlets um, up on the, the northeast coast. Um, it was definitely, there was more defending to do um, on Tuesday night against Forest Green. Not that they didn't have their moments, I can remember a couple of, well, a few overhit crosses by Iandolo and a, <laughs> a one that went straight into the the, the um, Stratton Bank um, from a shot, but um, you know they, there was a lot of hard work, definitely in the, the, the defensive third from both of them. Well, yeah, but that that's I was sort of glad to see that because obviously we've seen and we know how good they can both be going forward with with Harrogate and with Hartlepool. So then to be able to in, in such a big game at, at home be able to defend as as well as they both did. For, for the time they're on the field was really impressive and that to, to be able to deal with with Cadden and Wilson each for as long as they did it, 
them two are a League One level players, really. So that the fact they managed to deal with them and, and sort of keep them as as quiet as possible is is very very good. And like you say, when when one of them got forward, that they did cause an issue as well. So uh, you're sort of running out of superlatives to use for for most of the players because everyone was just brilliant. Yeah, uh, and I just I really hope that we can give everyone at least some form of flowers. Um, Baudry really was one of the standouts again, um, Terry. I mean, you mentioned about his Indian summer on the podcast on Sat- from Saturday's game. Uh, we kind of alluded it to it so far. Um, there is a clip of me that we clipped up for Twitter after, I think, the Newport game uh, where um, we were discussing, well, I was discussing about um, how he slowed it down so much at the back, which doesn't seem to be happening anymore. And I, I just think there's been a lot of discussion about like how is this how are these levels of performances coming out um, after you know a couple of years of us not really being able to see this from him on a consistent basis is it really just as simple as he is playing regular minutes and is injury free uh, and actually just has been this good throughout but has been plagued by injuries since what the pandemic began I don't think we'll ever truly know, right? I think it's, it's going to be a bit of that. I think I think we'd be mad to not think that it's a little bit of Ghana learning. You know, you can't keep you can't keep playing Conroy and Baudry and telling them to pass to each other again and again and again and again and again while not winning games and and falling out of the promotion race. So there is a bit of learning there as well. And, and but but ultimately, I think it's one thing to sort of see what he's being asked to do and the intent that he's doing it. And it's another thing to just look at his quality in those moments. And that's not something that we've seen from him for a long, long time. So, you know, I think, I don't know. I can't figure it out. Do we have to figure it out? Like, it's, no, uh, definitely not. <laughs> the other thing is it doesn't invalidate all the things that he that weren't working four, six, eight weeks ago, right? Those things still weren't working in that moment. It, it, if you look at each game in isolation and it, it simply is a case of, he is playing very well the last two or three weeks. It doesn't mean that six, seven, eight weeks ago he was part of a problem, a very problematic trend, particularly at home. Those things are both true, and they can both be true. For for a lighter moment, Tyler, I and mean, we know that Matty Baudry is a big basketball fan um, and likes the Chicago Bulls. I think that if we go up, then his version of the Last Dance kind of documentary series uh, that we might get out of him for the next month or so. It's going to be absolutely spectacular. Definitely, and I, I, I think that that might be part of the reason of his form sort of turning and being so good. Is sort of he's looked at it as I've got what six, seven games left of my professional career, so why not just give it my all and sort of play my heart out for all of them now? And and if he gets injured, he gets injured. It's it's sort of like. He hasn't got to worry about coming back for a preseason. Hasn't got to worry about being in a rush to find a club for the summer. His his career is sort of over. So, sh- should he get injured, it's it's still going to be a, a big deal for him and his family. But it's not as big of a deal as it would have been twelve months ago. So, Such a good point. I think I think that I think maybe we're under underplaying that as well, Ty. I think the idea of like. I don't know. Is he has he been playing at ninety five percent for the last three years because he's terrified of getting that injury that means he doesn't get the the one year extension, and he's just playing with complete freedom. Yeah, it's it's got to be something something that's considered. The the only thing that 
that could potentially play on his mind is if I get injured now, there's a chance I might not be able to play at Wembley should I get there. But he's already done that in his career. So surely for him, this really is just a, I've got four or five games left now. Give it my all. If I'm injured, I get injured. I've not got to worry about a contract. He knows he's got his, I want to say it's a degree in finance. So he knows he's got that to fall back on now when his career is over. So it's not a concern of him, concern of his, should should he get injured, which... I mean, you can't fault fault him in, in recent weeks. The only issue I've got with him is is obviously his third goal at Hartlepool sort of ca- causing myself some issues. But <laughs> even then, he, he sort of apologised to me, even though it's really not his fault. Um, it's sort of my own fault for just being a bit of an idiot. I think they're like, not just enjoying the moment too much. And also, yeah. just a final thing on Frenchie, and like, this goes across a lot of our lads, and he's just so likeable. Very. So, like, he's like... I think we're. I will tell anybody who who listens that actually footballers tend to be quite people. Like the more you meet, the more you realise they're all they're all pretty sound blokes. And yes, you're going to get one knobhead every now and again, and that's life. You get that in any walk of life. But our lot, particularly at the moment, are just so likable. And Frenchie is 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 the is the poster boy for that. I think. And and I've 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 said a lot of I've criticised him a lot, but I'm sure he'd criticise himself even more. Um, for for his the season and a half before before this sort of four or five week golden spell that he's enjoying, so yeah, whatever it is, let's enjoy it and and let's hope he enjoys it before he rides off into the into the sunset. Uh, I mean, let's move on to the midfield. Johnny Williams in that first half, I've never seen him go into like second balls and loose balls and uh, challenges fifty fifties like with quite the amount of vigor Terry as he did. Uh, I mean, like. Something he must have just unlocked something in the dressing room before the game because he was absolutely on one. He was like a man, uh, he was like a man possessed, wasn't he? I've not seen that from him. I, I I've seen a lot of good stuff from him this season. I've seen a lot of stuff that I'm not quite so pleased with. Uh, but he addressed that I think almost with his performance because I think that the thing that I have found frustrating is that he just kind of doesn't go into those tackles full throttle and also exaggerates the injuries. Neither of those things happened. Therefore, you just enjoy the positive side of Johnny Williams and uh, yeah. he worked so hard. I'm, I'm sure he was absolutely knackered after that because he really was going for it. But um, probably if, you, if, you, if you're taking the kind of shuffling around and being tackled for their goal out of it, you're talking a man of the match contender performance. But alas, that happened. Um, but yeah, just I had to had to mention it because um, I have been critical of him at points this season. I want it on the record that he was great last night. Um, Tyler, I'm going to let you speak about your favourite Louis Reed. Um, uh, uh, we've mentioned my favourite moment from him on the evening, but I mean it was another good performance from him. You get me started. I'm I'm not going to stop. It's <laughs> he's he's just an absolute Rolls Royce in the midfield, and he. He sort of goes under the radar, it seems, quite often. With, with even, even when he has a very good game, it can go under the radar because his standards are just so, so high. He's He conducts the game from deep so, so well. And last night was just an, another prime example of it. The, the way he was breaking up the play, like, like you said, with, with just... It's the smart little things as well with the way he's won that goal kick by just absolutely leathering it off of one of their players. It, it, 
it's it's just brilliant. He, he he played a key role in sort of getting the crowd up at times. And there was one moment where where we're really sort of under the cosh and and he's just out of nowhere sort of gone on one of those Andy Robertson type pressing runs where he's thought, I'll go for it. And he, he's near enough done the entire back, what, three or four for, for Forest Green, just chasing them all down and, and then ended up getting... Admittedly, he didn't win the ball back, but it's just the little things where he's putting everyone under so much pressure on his own that it really lifts the crowd. And so I think, once again, it, if it wasn't for a, a certain a certain Jack Payne, then then it, it's another man of the match sort of contending performance for him. Yeah, I mean, Terry, Jack Payne. I mean, for me, hands down, man of the match. You just can't argue it because he has the attacking side of the game. He has the defensive side of the game. I think there, there are points, and this is a ludicrous comparison to be making, but like having someone that's so creative and so dangerous in front of goal, but also so streetwise in a defensive sense, it kind of reminded me of like stuff that like uh, Griezmann was doing for France at the World Cup a few years ago in terms of like just having that head of slowing things down and being streetwise and uh, just being a nuisance to, to opposing players. Like, he didn't have to have the ball to be dangerous uh, against Forest Green on, on Tuesday night. I think. I think. Look, you've come to me on this, but I think Tyler probably summed it up smarter than I've heard anybody sum up um, Jack Payne's performance last night. It, it was a legacy performance, right? It was a thing that we'll. Unfortunately, when Jack Payne leaves us in the summer, which I think we all we're all probably very sadly in agreement on, is more than likely to happen because it's just criminal that he's at this level. It's that 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 is the one performance among heaps of great performances that I that I would always associate with him, um, and it's you know his quality, his free ball for the first goal, his finish for the second. That's Jack Payne doing Jack Payne things, but just the image of him running around like an absolute lunatic in like the eighty eighth minute, eighty ninth minute, smashing the ball into the stand, like just just he was so involved and engaged, like you could almost. You can always see it written on his face the pain that he was going through to win that game of football. And, and I, Tyler, you said earlier the players would have run through eight brick walls. I, I don't think anything would have stopped Jack Payne. You could have put a, you could have put an Arctic truck in front of him, and he'd have probably, he'd have tried, he'd have probably stood there or chased it away. Like it, 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 it was a legacy performance. It was a, it was a once in a, it was a once in a career at a club performance. That I think we'll all, we'll all look back on very fondly when we talk about this team. And and I keep saying it. Please do not sleep on the fact that this is an absolute privilege of a midfield to have at this level. Uh, yeah, like it, it just was, and I think I said that like, midway through the first half, just after the first goal. <laughs> I, I've, I've said it in our group chat. I just went, "This, this is a legacy game." He was everywhere, and I, I'm sort of used used to by now his work rate being good. That was completely different to what I've uh, what I've been seeing because there's having a good work rate then there's having what he he had and that was exceptional I, I'm so we ended up playing 101 minutes of football yesterday I can't recount a minute where he wasn't running he, even his celebration he's running at that <laughs> point surely you could slow down a bit Payne but no I mean he is an absolute privilege to have. And if he leaves in the summer, he leaves with nothing but good memories, really. And, and if he stays, even better. 
because I, I know that was one thing he harped on about and, and sort of Paul Caddis mentioned when speaking about him was was the fact that Paney just wants to settle down at a club now. He, he, he's getting a bit bored of mo- moving around everywhere. So we, we can but hope he stays. And if he does, he's, he's sort of right on track to making himself a, a bit of a legend with us. I almost think it's already happened uh, with with some of the moments he's given us over the last. Well, even last season he was pro- responsible for most of the good stuff, and this season he's been fantastic as well. Um, quietly made his way up to joint second top scorer um, with that goal as well, alongside Tyree Simpson, another player that I just will heap praise on. I have to mention him. Um, I almost feel like we can't really go anywhere from here. I wanted to praise all of the players, and we haven't mentioned the front three yet. Um, but we've we've spoken about the headline act. I mean, what do we do? Um, Josh Davison, it wasn't his kind of ideal game, I guess. Uh, but again, just the effort he went through, especially uh, that playing lone striker in a four four one when you're down to ten men, must be the worst thing for a centre forward to have to do. Um, and he just still did it with a smile on his face. It's, Brilliant. I think I think you could almost boil down the front three. I'm, I'm, I'm wary that we've been recording for a very long time and my dinner's getting cold. Um, <laughs> you could almost put the front three in a, in a bucket of uh, similar performances, right? I think Louis Barry's got a goal and an assist out of nowhere, really. Um, McCurdy's executed in the moment to, to, to nick another assist, which was fantastic. But that wasn't their story of the game, the, the, particularly McCurdy and Davison. Obviously, Barry was taken off after the red card, but Davison and McCurdy, their story is is one of of, of sucking it up and getting back in that four four one. And and I'm watching Josh Davison play as a emergency right wing back at times, like the togetherness and the willingness of that front three or the you know, particularly the front two just to be part of that unit and chase everything and do it again and again and again with a massive smile on their face was just, you know, they're, they're, they're the things that go unnoticed so often and they can't go unnoticed today. Yes, we did get things wrong. Both of them were caught out of position numerous times. But of course they were. We're asking completely attacking-minded players to go and fill in a fullback or hold a midfielder or whatever. Um, and, and and they both just did it. I think one little thing on each, McCurdy was so clever at, looking, at receiving the ball and winning winning a foul. Or winning a throw in happened four or five times down the right hand side in front of the in front of the benches, didn't it? Where just get takes the ball in and either either wins a foul or or a free kick. And and Josh Davison, his defensive aerial ability is very 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 important, particularly for a side who look really dodgy from set pieces. He's pretty much the only one who looks like he will when, especially when O'Brien isn't playing, who will climb over 13 opposition players to head the ball away. And that's so important. And he did that time and again yesterday. So fair play to them both. Yeah, Tyler, any final words before we wrap this up? Uh, yeah, yeah, just sort of adding on to what you said about the versatility of, of McCurdy and, and Davison being able to just fit in where we needed them at times yesterday. It's, that's not just them. That's That seems to be everyone in this squad at the moment. Like Akin slotting in at left back, Paney sort of playing as, as a left winger. Um, and you got Dion shuffling out to right back. Everyone was willing to play a bit out of position if needed just to get the job done, which we've had at times this season, obviously, with with Rob Hunt playing as a centre-half and and things like that. So it shows that that I think no matter what, this group is very together and, and willing to sort of 
run run through run through the pitch if needed and, and run through walls and they've got to do what they've got to do to get points at times which is very very good to see yeah and the perfect note to end on I think there is going to be two more huge games I can't wait for them we'll let the other lads preview them on another podcast because this has run on uh, for an insanely long time um, gents thank you very much nice one the Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. <laughs> no one thing I'm I'm just gonna say now is completely. This doesn't have to be in, in the podcast, by the way. I've just been sent Jack Payne's touch map for last night. It's insane, isn't it? And I am so so impressed. I can't believe what I'm seeing. That is unbelievable. Oh, that is crazy, man. <laughs> that is everywhere. What, what position was he? He played in every position. That, that, is, that is right back, place. left back, holding midfield. The eight, the ten. Right wing, left wing, up front. <laughs> he, he's gone the full Paul Caddis there. We all dream of a team of Jack Paynes. Oh, there we oh, go. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.